Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the SoCap Improv Comedy Podcast. Uh, my name is Ralph, uh, Ralph McLeod. I am the owner and artistic director of the SoCap Improv Comedy Theater in Toronto, Canada, uh, located at 154 Danforth Avenue above the Black Swan Tavern. Uh, the URL is SoCap.ca. That's S-O-C-A-P as in Peter, dot C-A. Uh, yeah, and uh, we teach improv there. And we have a venue with two stages that you can rent and put on your own shows. Uh, we cast things from time to time. We do corporate events, private events, whatever you're looking for. I'm sure we can help you out. Now, every podcast uh, has a sponsor. Uh, tonight's uh, episode is no different. Uh, today, our, our sponsor is, uh, hey, are you looking for uh, some naughty uh, lingerie or some other, uh, shall we say, things to spice up your relationships? Well, look no further than Libidness. Libidness is uh, uh, the company for all your adult needs, shall we say. Libidness, check it out. All right. Uh, so today, uh, what I want to talk about is... Um, Something near and dear to my heart is, uh, well, actually, everything is near and dear to my heart. Um, and it is the, what can we do, uh, you know, at the very beginning of a scene, whether we get a suggestion or not. And uh, if you know me or have worked with me, you know, I don't like getting suggestions um, for a number of reasons. Number one, if you're asking a room and there's comedians in there. Or even even if you're even if it's just you know the general public, they will tend to give you something that they think will be funny, uh, and often these things are harder to use them. So you kind of hamstring yourself, in a sense of like when you ask for a suggestion and you get umbrella. Well, ninety five times out of a hundred, the scene will start with somebody opening an umbrella. They'll take the suggestion very literally. And uh, these literal suggestions put us up in our heads uh, and they start start us writing fiction. So I'm much more organic. And what I mean by that is looking at your scene partner, uh, checking in with yourself, listening for the audience, listening for sounds in the room, and using everything to sort of set a tone or a mood that suggests where things are. So, um, yes, so that was, a, that was a, a big divergence away from what I wanted to talk about, which is what can we do? Um, a lot of people, especially newer people, will think about a line to open the thing, a scene with, a funny line. Uh, there are certain traditions that encourage this kind of writing a line, lie, and uh, and often these lines, depending on what they are, can start a, a situation between two characters or even the improvisers that is, you know, defensive or acrimonious or looks for negativity or puts another character in a spot in a bad way. So this is an actual example of a line that one character said to another one. This is a couple years ago. In one of my classes where character a walked up to character b looked them square in the face and demanded of them quote why are you eating your pants 
Now, that seems like it would be funny, right? First of all, it's not. The reaction from myself and, you know, I watch the other people watching the scene is one of consternation, perplexed. Um, they're like, what's going on? Uh, not that that's necessarily bad, which I, we may get into, if not in this podcast, in the subsequent podcast when we talk about dissonance. But for now, uh, what what does that do? Well, the other, the person receiving that line has no idea they were doing any of that. But has been endowed as as having as eating their own pants, and then immediately called out for it in a negative way, and demanded and demanded of them an explanation be given as to why they are doing that. Now, can that work? Of course, it can work. And if I were working with certain people, uh, that's a line. I mean, I don't know if I'd use that exact line. Probably not. But something similar, where I endow them as doing something and demand an immediate explanation from it because I know they're going to give me one that's going to be funny and funny because what the reason it will be funny is they'll make it make sense. Why are you eating your pants? Well, I couldn't eat yours. <laughs> See, that's work. I mean, I think that works to me. That works. It's funny uh, because it, uh, it clears up the dissonance and it, it, in a way, not entirely, but enough that it makes it makes it funny. Oh, of course you have to eat your own pants if you can't eat someone else's. Of course, it doesn't explain the underpinning of like why you would eat pants in the first place. Is there some kind of famine going on? Are your pants delicious? I don't know. But uh, justification, which <laughs> I keep saying, well, I'll do that in another episode. Uh, we'll talk about justification later. But so you, you, you can do that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm never against really, there's very little things, a few things I'm against. Uh, I would, you know, if, if, um, if I had a student, and I in this case I did, I had a conversation about why I don't think that was a great idea. Um, especially working with someone you don't know, someone who's also fairly new, because you put people back on their heels, and then if they can't answer it, they're gonna feel bad, and they're not gonna like you, because they'll remember you as the one who embarrassed them, and it's not gonna go very well for you. So, what I really wanted to talk about is not what you shouldn't do, what can you do? What are the, I'm, to me, the good practices, right? This, these are things that I do, the things that I encourage my students to do. And I see again and again and again, when they do these things, uh, they tend to be more successful than not. Uh, so what, what are those? Well, you can, you can make a choice about how you feel, right? Uh, I feel happy, happy. I'm happy. Not like over the moon happy, like I've won the lottery, but I feel like in a pretty good place. And whoever my scene partner is, and of course, I don't know who this person is. Um, you can make some decisions about that. And again, I would, I would, I would caution you not to. Only because if I make a choice about the, the person that I'm with in the scene is my doctor. Say, okay, you're my doctor. And before I have a chance to say something, they turn around and they say, so inspector, have you solved the case? Uh, okay. Now, yes, I can still move forward with, this is my doctor. And then what they're choosing to talk about is this. But now I've got a bunch of writing to do. I've got a bunch of, um, uh, I'm not damage control. That's too strong of a word, but I hope you understand what I mean. Like I've got to now contextualize why my doctor is calling me inspector and asking me about this case. Maybe we're Sherlock Holmes. Maybe I don't know, but we—I mean—we can make that work. So it's—it's it's, again, 
I want to be clear. I, I, there's very little few things that I say never do these things. But these practices will tend to put us in our head. Uh, they'll tend to lead to some miscommunication. Um, so my best practice is if make a, make a decision about something like an emotion. I'm happy. Therefore, no matter what my scene partner does or says, I can still be happy. Have you solved the case, Inspector? I certainly have. Turns out you're the person who did this, right? And I'm happy I've caught you, right? So I can work. Or if I choose to be happy, and character turns around and wheels and says, I hate you, and I can still be happy, I know. Finally, I've gotten you upset, which is what I've wanted all along. You know, happy. Good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful day outside. Oh, it's gorgeous. Let's go fishing. You know, you, you, can, you can react happy to everything. Or angry. I don't like you. So you can pick, pick an emotion, happy, angry, sad, guilty, jealous, paranoid. These all work. And, it, and it's not like, you know, maybe you choose paranoid. The other person says, have you solved the case, inspector? Or good morning, or whatever. Uh, you can maybe, if it really doesn't work, I, I'm trying to think now, it's, it seems like it always works, right? Did you solve the inspe case, inspector? Why are you asking? Has the chief been asking you to ask me about this? Is they mad? Are they mad? You know, you can react to, you can keep that initiation. My one thing. And the nice thing about choosing something, rather than just being a blank slate, because you, you can say, well, Ralph, just be a blank slate. And you can also do the same thing. True, you can. But then you, the tendency is to react either minimally or um, what tends to happen more often in my experience is, I have infinite choices and much like sitting in the grocery store in front of like a thousand bottles of salad dressing, I can't make a choice. Uh, I grew up at a time, uh, or at least I was fairly young, I guess in my 20s, when Blockbuster came out, video stores, and people would spend hours in the video store agonizing over which movie to take home because you had so many choices, especially if the one movie you went there to get, the new release, well, they're all out. And then you go find a plan B. That was that was awful, but also amazing. But it was hard if you had a family of four and everybody's fighting over the choice. That makes it even worse. But uh, yes, so so when you make no choice, you have choice paralysis. Tend you tend to, or you tend to underreact things, because as human beings and as novel improvisers, uh, we tend to be we tend to live in that middle range of okay. Things are okay. How are you? Not bad. But we like living in that place. We don't like living in the extremes. But on stage, we want to be in the extreme. And I and I find even in real life, I want I don't want to be maybe extreme, but I want to be more than okay. You know, when people ask me how I am, I tend to say I'm great. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Rather than okay, you know, and uh, not to make a meal out of you know casual conversation of like how are you doing, but um, I tend to say great. You know, or uh, or when I'm being playful, you know, if someone gives me a compliment, Ralph, you're so smart. I'll say like, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> it still makes me laugh um, because oh, to accept compliments or even accusations, accusations or insults, you know, Ralph, you're a garbage person. Oh, <laughs> you have no idea <laughs> the depths of my depravity. Like you can very playful. You can do these things and it, and it makes you very likable. So anyway, so going back to the initiation, pick uh, an emotion. 
I'm happy. I'm angry. I'm sad. Um, confident. Whatever. Pick an attitude, which is kind of like an emotion. An attitude about the person you're with. I like you. I don't like you. I'm suspicious of you. I feel I'm better than you. And then status. Status is the third one. You know, I'm above you. I'm beneath you. And that goes into, I want to be your friend or I'm going to crush you utterly. Uh, and it's going to be, I'm going to have a really good time doing it. So these will all work and they happen no matter what the other person says or does. You don't have to pivot um, away from your choice and rewrite and do anything else. And the nice thing about making a choice and having an initiation is you have now a thing of, to react to, the beginning of a character. I'm playing a character who is happy. You know, I don't know why he's happy or she's happy or they're happy, but I will figure it out in the fullness of time. And then, uh, because that's that's one thing that happens when you make these choices is, at least for me, and, it, and I see it on my students all the time too, uh, that... That you, why you are happy or why you are paranoid or why you are feeling guilty will come out even without really focusing on it. It's just our brain just starts giving us the contextualizing machine that is our brain will just start giving us lots of reasons as to why we feel a certain way, why I am happy, why I am sad, why I am guilty, why I'm bad. These will all start falling into place as we uncover What's going on? What are we what are we participating in? What are we watching? What is growing here in front of our eyes? So for initiations, especially for new newer people, or if you're experienced but you're working with someone you don't know, I I, I caution you to stay away from the thinking up a line of dialogue and saying that, which contains information. The sort of approach of the laying on of information in which a character will say something like, well, darling, here we are on our honeymoon, walking along the shores of the Champs-Élysées. I mean, that gives you a who, what, and where in one line. And again, I'm not saying never do that. Sometimes it may be necessary. But what it, to me, it robs your scene partner of any opportunity to, you know, be a part of the creation of the context. They just have to go, yes. And of course, skilled improvisers will say, that's right, sweetheart. And <laughs> it's great to be here with you back in the place where we celebrated our honeymoon and we now renew our vows. Where did I say honeymoon? I can't remember what I said in my first line. Here we are in our honeymoon. Yes. So <laughs> it would be stupid if the character said, yes, on our honeymoon. Sweetheart, here we are, walking hand in hand along the Champs-Élysées to celebrate our honeymoon. Yes, the skilled improviser would say, yes, that's right, my love. You know, from the moment I saw you, I knew there was no one else for me but you. There we go. we got a beginning of a scene. So you, you can't do it. I'm, I'm not saying never do these things. What I'm saying is that, uh, that uh, when you do that, you may find that you then will have to do some writing or some flipping, or some contextualizing. And again, those can present opportunities. Like in the case of, why are you reading your own pants? Well, because your pants were dirty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that works. Um, all right. And But, I, but I, I strongly recommend, especially for newer people, to pick, rather than a dialogue and an inventive line, to, then, to be a receptive participant in what's going on by making a choice and 
focusing, not focusing, filtering whatever information you get through that. You know, if you're happy and you look over at your scene partner and they're scowling at you, well, now you know why you're happy because you made them upset. Don't know why. That we will get to, right, in the fullness of time as we discover that together. And that divergent process of making these discoveries together during the beginning of scenes and divergent thinking, which we'll get to another time, uh, is exhilarating, you know, as, as we all make these discoveries together in real time. Anyway, that's my thing for today. Uh, the moment before, the moment your scene starts, no matter what your suggestion is, rather than, you know, literally doing that thing, opening an umbrella if it's an umbrella, or cutting cheese if it's cheese, or, you know, cutting carrots if you're making dinner, also think about how you feel. And if you don't know, if you can't make a decision, like. Be happy, like the people you're with. It will make you much more likely to say yes, much more likely to buy into what you're doing, much more likely to work together to create the fiction and uncover or discover who we are and what is going on. Uh, it, you know, it, and when conflict arises, it's much more likely to make that conflict outside of the two of us. So the conflict does not exist between the characters, at least originally. It exists outside of us, and we have to face this together. And while that may seem more difficult, I don't know if it does or not, you know, to write that kind of scene or create it in real time. I find it's not, uh, and they're often way better scenes. The the scenes that are really hard are the ones, or the most difficult, especially for newer people, but they are more comfortable and familiar is the scenes in which there's direct conflict between the two characters. Mom loved you best. No, she didn't. She did not. She loved you more than she loved me. How could you say that? Obviously, it was you that she loved more. Oh, 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 au contraire. Not in my experience. Anyway, that's my thing for today. Pick an emotion, pick an attitude, pick status. Uh, and always, always, always have fun. Pick, if you want to pick angry, pick angry because it's fun to do it. Not because you're upset, right? If you're upset, fight against that. Like you as an individual, as a, as a performer, if you're having a bad day, don't pick having a bad day as a character trait. Um, because it's, uh, it can be really hard to watch a character who's having a bad day, go up on stage and have a bad day. But if you're having a great day, go up on stage and have a bad day, that's, that can be really fun. Because it, it really comes down to what do audiences react to, the way the actor is feeling that they're watching. That's the magic of it. They'll know how you feel. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on uh, the SoCap Improv Comedy Podcast. SoCap.ca brought to you by Libidness. Libidness for all your sexy needs. Bye.